0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Karos Living. Super glad you're here today. Today, I have a really awesome guest. She is someone that I thought of when I first started this podcast that understands the day-to-day life and just has some cool experiences to share. So yeah, she's just a super welcoming down-to-earth person, and I'm just super glad she is here. So today on the podcast, we have Kaylee Rhoda. hello hi how's it going over there it's great (laughs) (laughs) guys this is funny we both are in Colorado but I asked Kaylee a few days ago I was like could we do it on zoom because I still haven't figured out how to record in person yet so we're just doing zoom even though we're in the same place
1: yeah we're like 15 minutes away right now (laughs) it's great
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is so funny, but thank you for doing this Kaylee. This is yes, of course. I'm so excited to get into your story because I don't know, like we have talked a few times, but I don't know Kaylee too well.
1: Yes. Well, fun, fun story. Avery and I were almost roommates.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: We were supposed to be (laughs) ripped, which, you know, like this whole story of the past year of my life is the reason why we weren't roommates technically. But
0: then COVID happened, and here we are. No, then COVID happened. So, yeah, let's start there. So, we met through, was it through my mom? Yes. It was through my mom. So, (laughs) Kaylee found, how did you find Graceful? Honestly, yeah, well, we have a family friend
1: that, my dad's like a principal, and so she works at his school, and she found Graceful somehow, and was like, yeah, I haven't worked there before but it was just like fun and you should go see and so I went and had lunch with my family and then I was like man this would be super cool to just like hang out and do whatever they need and so I started volunteering and your mom's great (laughs) oh yes yes she's great so she and I hang
0: out every Thursday now but is it every so you do it every week
1: wow I've been doing every week yeah
0: Um, yeah, so we met, no, my mom, I don't think I told you that, but my mom, like, came back the first time you, like, volunteered, and she was like, Ave, I met someone today, and she's just like you. Like, you would be such good friends with her. She's such a cool person, and I was like, oh, wait, what?" (laughs) And so, then I went to Kaylee's youth group for a little bit, but honestly, like, I think I was just in a weird season. Oh, yeah. So, it, like, I went a few times. It was awesome when I went. It's just like... I mean, we loved having you, but... Oh, thanks. Life happens, you know? Sometimes sometimes you got to focus on other things. Yes, but yeah, her youth group is really cool. And yeah, I feel like we were meant to be friends, for sure. For sure. And we just haven't, like... We're like, (laughs) we've seen each other a few times, but we just, like life has happened, honestly. Yeah, you know, honestly. But oh my gosh. So we're going to get into Kaylee is in kind of like a gap year right now, right? Yes. Well, it's a gap year and a half now. Oh, it is. So, uh...
1: It is. It is. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this. Yeah. So I graduated high school early, um, which is funny because I don't know many people that have done that and whenever I would tell people that I was graduating early they were like wait that's an option like you could do that I'm like yeah I guess <laughs> so yeah I was super on top of my credits in high school and found out that the only class I would be staying for for my last semester senior year was English and I was like I'm not staying around to take an English class so I like came home to my parents and was like I think I could graduate early and they were like that's super awesome. You can't stay here. And I was like, what? (laughs) And they're like, you can't just hang out here at home and do nothing. Like we want you to do something. I was like, okay, fine. So I'll figure it out. So I worked it out with my counselor and like all my teachers and stuff. Um, Actually, I had to pitch why I should graduate early, which is so funny. (laughs) But I mean, that's the deal, right? Like, they don't want kids just leaving school just right. randomly. So um, they were like, yeah, you have to meet the principal. So I went in. It was like Shark Tank kind of situation. <laughs> like I had to be like, all right, I want to graduate early. And she was like asking all these questions. She was like, well, why? And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. I just don't want to stay around for English, right? So my parents were like, we got to set you up well for this Shark Tank interview. I was like, okay, so... I started looking at trips because I had only been outside of the U.S. once. Well, twice, technically. Once to Mexico and once to Canada. But it wasn't that different, I guess.
0: I thought you had been to
1: Africa. Yeah. So I did. Now, after that. Sorry. Sorry. I'm <laughs> You're interrupting.
0: Good. Continue. Okay. Continue. <laughs> She's going to take a sip of her bubbly. I did.
1: <laughs> um, so I my sister had gone on a trip with this organization called experience mission. Got to shout them out.
0: <laughs>
1: um, I'll plug it, but she loved it and she only went for a month, but she also went to South Africa. So she was like, you might just want to like take a little look. I was like, okay. Um, so I found a trip that worked out with my dates. Cause I was going to try and come back for graduation. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> was the year of 2020 so we all know oh yes so that's how i kind of swindled my way into graduating was i was like all right i'm gonna do this trip to africa and they
0: were like that's super cool yes so that's kind of what like made them convince them like oh yeah she can graduate early and go on this cool mission and yes but then plot twist the mission, like, didn't happen because of COVID. Well, it did. It did happen. But I got home.
1: I got sent home early. That's a whole story. Do you want me to tell the story? <laughs> okay. Yes,
0: I do. But let's. So you ended up going to South Africa. Yes. For how long was it? So I was there for two and a half months. And it was supposed to be?
1: Three. So I, it was not that bad. <laughs> tell us the
0: long story now. Do you want, like, the COVID story, or do you want to hear about what we did in Africa? Let's the COVID story first. Then we'll get into all the Africa tea. Okay.
1: Yeah, so I left for the trip January 6th, which was before anyone cared about COVID at all. Like I know. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy to think. We never thought. We never did. Yeah, so... I went and it was great. Um, and we were over there. I remember we were living in this like small farming town with this host grandma, <laughs> who was great, but she did not speak very much English. Um, and I remember we would every like other day, we would go into town to get Wi-Fi from this coffee shop. And I just remember like sitting there, And be like, all right, the U.S. has its first case. Like, what does that mean? It's not a big deal, I bet. And then we ended up moving to like a hostel with a bunch of like farming family kids. And we would like every night we would come back after doing like work wherever around the community. And we would come back and everyone would sit down and we would read the number of cases for each state. Cause there were like a bunch of girls um, in that room all together, I think there were like 13 of us. So we were each from different states. So we would just sit there and we'd be like, all right, Colorado has this many and Tennessee has this many. And the hardest part was like only one girl could read it because she had an international phone plan, but the rest of us didn't. And so we're just like sitting there so hopeless. <laughs> like I, I can't even like call my parents really. And, I just, like, have to wait it out and see if it is really something to be
0: scared of. That is crazy. I never even thought, I never even realized you were there when that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. When it was, like, becoming a real, like, thing.
1: Wow. I, like, remember when it hit four cases in Colorado and everyone was like, it'll be fine. And then, like, a couple days later, we crossed 100 and we were all like, oh, no, (laughs) like, it's not going to go well. So usually the last two weeks of this organization, you spend with your team, like doing fun stuff. Cause we just spent two and a half months working, which is all good, you know, but it's not like, like you're in South Africa, you might as well do a few touristy things. And they have like a tradition of the whole team getting tattoos together, which didn't happen because of COVID.
0: (laughs) uh. I know,
1: but so we like went to this resort which was really cool. It was kind of like a little KOA campground style thing, but it had a water slide and like free-roaming monkeys. So you could just like feed monkeys. Yeah. It's like the most African thing ever. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it is. But we were hanging out for 2 days there and just like spending time with each other and um swimming, doing whatever. And that night the, the like organization leader sat us down and was like, we're going to go back home and we're going to be in quarantine. we were all like, Oh shoot. (laughs) Okay. So we went back to their house and we stayed in quarantine for, um, about eight days. I want to say, um, we were supposed to leave. This was in South Africa, right? Yeah. So you were quarantined. Yeah. So we went back to like the, organization leaders house in johannesburg um and we had to quarantine there for like eight days it was pretty intense i mean not like i could go anywhere really on my own like it's still a trip right but so i like i couldn't drive or anything so i was like yeah i don't care but it was it was a bummer and so our flight was supposed to leave I think from the day that we got home to their house, our flight was supposed to leave like 10 days later, something like that. And my parents called me. They finally gave us like the Wi-Fi password for the house. Cause they had been like, they didn't want teams to have that, but considering the situation, they were like, here you go. <laughs> so the organization was basically like, you can leave early if you want, but you have to buy your own flight. And so we were all like, really? Okay. So I was like, do I just stick it out? Like it's, it's a few days, like it'll be fine most likely. Um, and then my parents, like we've been talking for the past couple of days cause they were freaking out and they called me and they were like, Peru just closed its borders. And like, I think that's going to happen in South Africa. We need to get you a flight. And I was like, okay. So we sat down and we like found a flight they were going like crazy and there were 31 of us that were trying to fly out at the same time and so it was like you would book you would get a flight you would get in your cart and then it would just disappear
0: oh my gosh
1: and so you kept having to do that so I think it took us probably like four hours to book this flight and I got one I got one of the first ones out so I went out with um two other kids from a different team and then um The other half of my team flew out the next day after me. And then two kids actually stayed until the day that we were supposed to fly out. And they were fine. But it's just that you don't know, you know, and then you would have been stuck there. Yeah. One of the other teams, one of the other teams had three kids that got stuck. And so they were there in quarantine in South Africa for two weeks with nobody. Like all of us had left. And they just had to wait until they could get a hold of the U.S. Embassy to fly them out. And so they're, like, in this plane with a bunch of, like, military people. And then they're just, like, there with their little backpacks. <laughs> like, it was crazy.
0: I, like, it was crazy being here and, like, for you, like, across the world, you know, like. Yeah. Trying to figure that out. Wow. So, going back to, like, when you were quarantined there, what, like, did you guys do during that time? So, the nice thing about South Africa is that pretty much everybody
1: has a pool uh, because it's, like, warm, right? And January is their summer. So, we were getting towards, like, fall season, technically. Um, So, we would, like, swim or we'd hang out outside or we played lots of Xbox. and watched movies so it was just like yeah
0: that's that's a crazy story though wow yeah that's an experience for sure it was (laughs) whoa so you got back and like how was it coming back home um my bag got lost for three weeks so I
1: didn't have any of my stuff like (laughs) it was such a mess that's like my worst nightmare Oh yeah. So I had this like big 55 liter, like backpacking backpack. And it was like super old. We got it from garage sales. My parents were like, it's fine if something happens to it. Yeah. Foreshadowing with that one. Um, but I like get home and I'm sitting there waiting for my bag for like an hour and it's not coming. Well, actually, no, that was in Newark. So I was supposed to have a layover in Newark. And I'm like waiting there for my bag, and it's not coming. And everyone for my flight is gone. And I was like, "What do I do?" And so I'm like talking to people there, and I was like, "I don't have my bag. Like, it's not here." And they were like, "Okay, just like fill out this little paperwork, and we'll figure it out." Meanwhile, I'm in literally New Jersey. Like, I have to catch my flight to Denver. I'm like so stressed. I had three flights total on the way back here. So I did seven hours, maybe it was eight hours from uh, Johannesburg to Dubai had a, like a two hour lay over there, maybe three hours. Um, which was a whole thing because it was thunderstorming the whole time. And my gate got moved and everyone had to get COVID screened. And I'm like walking through the airport without a mask because I haven't been able to go get a mask and it wasn't like a mandated thing. Right. So nobody's wearing masks and it's like, I'm in Saudi Arabia in the airport, and we're just like trying to figure out what's going on. And then they're doing COVID screenings, and we're like, what is this? Like, we've never done a COVID screening before. And so then I had a 13 hour flight from Dubai to Newark. And so I'm like walking around the Newark airport crying because I'm so lost. Like, I cannot find my gate. My bag just got lost. I'm so exhausted because I did not sleep. And so I'm just like crying and I walk in to get a chocolate milk because I was like, you know what I mean? Chocolate milk. And one of the ladies who was working there came up to me and was like, you look really tired. I was like, thank you. Thanks for that. So I just, I just had to leave it. I just had to be like, you know what? It's fine. It'll get to me eventually, whatever. So it was three weeks until that bag turned up. And so I had to go to Target. I had to buy all new toothbrush, everything. <laughs> And then it showed up three weeks later and I was like, man, I have double of everything. now."
0: That story like in itself, I feel like is Kiro's living. Like <laughs> It's just this like, yeah, honestly journey. Oh my gosh. So you're, so you're back home. Well, actually I want to hear about your time in South Africa. So let's maybe, can we pivot back there? Yes, let's pivot. Okay. So it was cut short. I'm just wondering what did you notice about their everyday life there that Change your perspective. Okay. I feel like I should preface a little bit about the organization so we can get like a
1: picture. Yes, please do that. So, Experience Mission is technically a Christian organization. They're affiliated with the Christian church, but the whole purpose of their trips is not to go over and provide relief. Um, They do that, you know, throughout, but the point is that you go and you get immersed in a different culture. And the idea is they want to give you as many different experiences to fully understand a culture and a country um, so that you like come back with more perspective. That's kind of their big goal. Um, And so when we went over to South Africa, there were six on my team, but there were two other six month long teams that went. And so there were 31 of us total and each of us kind of, went different ways. So they would put each team in a community. So our community that we worked out was called Moe Plus, and it is a squatter camp. So something about South Africa, they have open borders, which means, you know, that immigration is not regulated. And there's some good things to that, for sure. There's a lot of people that get opportunities in South Africa, they wouldn't get in Lesotho or Zimbabwe or Namibia, but there's also the issue of, um, they come over, they can't speak the language and they can't find a place to live. And so there's these big squatter camps that have risen all over the city, which is so strange because you'll be driving through like a real residential area. And with Moy Plaza, it was, you would drive through these big mansions like literal mansions. There was an ostrich farm wow. that we passed every day when we were driving into this squatter camp and Mui Place was on a landfill. So the way that people would make money often in Mui Plaza was they don't have garbage trucks in South Africa. They have people that walk around with these gigantic carts, which is so strange because the residential areas look like kind of our suburbs in America. And so you would imagine it would look like your house, but then there'd be someone usually typically a black man, um, who would be walking on the side of the road with this gigantic like cart that went above his head and he'd just be picking up your trash and throwing it in. And so then they take that back home and they sort it and all of that. But that trash spreads everywhere. So they build their houses out of it and They try and make the most of what they can with it, but it just smells like there were days where you would walk in
0: and they'd be burning the trash and it would smell so strong. (laughs) And you're like, I remember that. I remember that in Uganda, even just like when I got there, all those smells at once. It's like, whoa, what is happening? so different
1: because there's not a lot of times in America where you walk out of your house or out of the car. And there's such a strong smell like Greeley, Colorado. Yeah. Cause it's like the cow farms or like my grandma lives in Idaho and she lives next to a sugar beet factory. And that is one of the most pungent smells of all time, but it's just crazy to think about like, that's an everyday thing. So yeah, we would, we would drive into the community every day and we worked with, an organization that already existed. So some local African people, um, which is like the formal name for the illegal immigrants, because there's like Africans and then there's Afrikaans, which the Afrikaans are usually the white people. So they were the original colonizers that came over from I think Britain. Yeah. Afrikaans, Africans. But yeah, so we would go into the communities every day and they had started an organization to educate children. So one of the issues with squatter camps is that no one's, most of the adults are not educated. And so they don't really see the value of sending their kids to school. And especially because they live on a landfill, like there's so much stuff that kids could be doing besides going to school. So we would go and we would um, spend time with the teachers and with the kids and just, I think they wanted them to be exposed to Americans, but it was really interesting for us to be exposed to them. Um, but every day the, there were certain teachers that would leave the building and they would go walk the streets of the squatter camp, which I think had a population of like 16,000 people and they would walk the streets and they would find kids and like moms and they would try and convince them to come to school like every day. Wow. So you'd get new kids every day. And we were at the start of the school year. I, like I would do some English classes with some of the little like five-year-old preschoolers. And I would teach them like days of the week and all of that stuff. And then we just like sing songs and read books and play games. Um, and then they had another program for the older kids. So the like elementary school kids because they're legal immigrants. They don't have the papers to enroll in a South African public school. So they would go to this school until they got their papers. So with them, we would teach them like how to write and we would work on writing their name and trying to teach a kid how to write in English when they can't understand a single thing you're saying is so difficult. And you just feel so bad because the kid gets so frustrated.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And you're like, none of this is your fault. Like, It's not my fault that I only speak English. Like, it's not your fault that I only speak English. That's my limitations. That's not on you, right? But but how am I supposed to say
0: that to them when I only speak English? See, that's, and that's where it's, because Uganda, like, the schools there had to speak English. Like, it was required. They couldn't speak their native language. And so I didn't, we didn't get to experience that, like, disconnect between English because they were required to. So that's a whole different, like, level of, how can I how can I teach this? Like when you're trying to teach or connect with a kid. Yeah. And we would try and do like Bible studies and songs and they
1: picked those up a little faster than like having to sit down and write. I think that was really hard, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it's a totally different experience when you have a kid in front of you who's 11 years old and they can't, they can't communicate with you at all. And so it'd just be like, hmm you have these pretty grown kids just like grab your hand and be like, let's go play soccer. But obviously not say that, <laughs> you know, so it was just a very interesting environment. So every day you would go to that school, right? And you'd just help where you were needed to be? Yes. So sometimes that would be teaching lessons and like aiding teachers while they helped kids, or it would be like, we did landscaping all over the property. Um, so one of the things that a lot of African communities do is, I'm sure you saw this in Uganda as well, but Mm -hmm. because there's so much trash, they would take two liter soda bottles and they would shove plastic in them and then seal them up and make them into walls. So I spent hours doing that, (laughs) just like taking a stick, shoving some plastic in a soda bottle. And it was good. Uh And you were with how many other kids again? So there were six of us total. And then we we had two trip leaders who lived there full time.
0: Okay. And then you guys were all like in a house together? No. So we were all spread out. So we were in pairs. So there were four girls and
1: two guys. So we were each put with host families. So my host family. That's right. Yeah. My host family was pretty upper class South African, which was fascinating. So they, when we would go to their house each night, they had to scan their fingerprint to get into the gated community that they that they lived in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they like, they had a golf cart that we went and drove around the golf course like all the time. Like they would just let us take it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was very different obviously going from that environment to this landfill school every day was drastic. But I think there was something interesting in that because I think America is very similar in the way that we have these very, very rich communities right next to these very, very poor communities. And I think having that acknowledgement of the crossover between the two was really interesting perspective to come back to America with.
0: Yeah. And also with that, you know, you view Africa as it just like is stereotyped as like everyone's poor. You don't think of like rich, you know, wealthy neighborhoods there, but it's, they're there. And, you know, and
1: especially it always made me laugh, but people would be surprised when I'd be like, yeah, my host family's white. they would be like, wait, there's white people?
0: <laughs> it was like a total me girls moment where it was like, if you're from Africa, why are you white? Wow, that that's a very interesting experience. Like you got to experience both sides to
1: living. Yes, and the culture is so strange because, well, South Africa's government has a lot of corruption. And that means that each house, um, so like outside of a, squatter camp situation if you're just in like a suburbs of the city each house has its own security system so they have electric gates that close in front of their houses um and they have to have security cameras everything because the police force doesn't work so you call the cops wow so like say someone breaks into your house you call the cops they won't show up because they don't have a vehicle so they're just massively underfunded and their issue is that they can't get people to work for them because like in America, you know, being a cop is kind of a, a career that people choose to work towards. South Africa, it's not. So the police are really easily corrupted. There's a lack of education in the whole country itself. So I think it's I think the statistic is like 50 percent of the residents of South Africa don't have an education, so they can't get jobs so they go to become a cop but then the cops aren't funded and so they can't actually solve any crimes so then there's like these independent security groups that you can call but they cost a lot of money and so there's just a lot of crime and it's kind of this stigma that's been placed on South Africa but in no way is it South Africa's fault because of the amount of corruption that's in this government right it's huge it's just it's just like that a cycle It is a cycle. Yeah. So I think just learning, I had a, my host dad was very educated in all of the government and all of that political side of things. And so we would sit down and have like our long conversations where I would just be like, okay, explain this to me. Like, why is this the way that it is? Hmm. Um, which was so beneficial. And I'm so grateful for that because there was a lot there. Yeah. Wow. Just the amount of like crimes was one thing. And then they have a lot of car accidents because like 70% of the drivers are unlicensed on the roads. And because the cops don't really do anything, my host dad estimated that one person a year goes to jail for not having a license when there's 70% of the people on the road driving. Of people that don't have license. Yeah. So that was a whole other side of it, which was kind of crazy. Because we had to commute to Place every day, which ended up being, like, an hour-long drive. So it was just, like, experiencing that was so strange. Because people drive so crazy.
0: <laughs> yes. Were there motorcycles there? Like, boda bodas? Did they have those? Yeah, they did. Yes. Oh, man. Those things could, like, carry... I saw so many different things being carried on those like while we were in Uganda.
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy,
0: <laughs> but yeah. So something specific
1: to South Africa, I have a funny story about this too. Do it. So there's a thing called load shedding, which basically means that they shut the power off in your house for two to four hours a day. So South Africa has one of the most advanced energy systems in the country to provide electricity and all of that stuff. But again, the lack of education means that there's not enough people to run it. So they have to shut off the power in different parts of the country to supply power to other parts. And you never know when this is going to happen because there's no schedule. Oh my god. So you'll just be like hanging out at the house. Like sometimes they, my host siblings would get like a little tip that was like, okay, load shedding today might be around this time. And you're like, okay, but half the time it was wrong. And so the worst part is when it like load shedding happens during dinnertime, because then you can't cook anything unless you're wealthy enough to have a generator, which my family was like their fridge wouldn't stop working because they had a generator. But some families, their fridge just shuts off for four hours. All the food goes bad and then they have to throw it all out and start it over again. We were lucky that we didn't have load shedding that often. Cause again, there's no schedule. So you're just like, I don't know. But there was one night that my like roommate and I went to play tennis. <laughs> so, like, we're just like playing tennis. It was so random. But we're playing tennis and then we come back home and they were like, Yeah, there might be load shedding. And so we're all hanging out, watching a movie, and there's no load shedding. And we're like, weird. Okay. So then I go to shower that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! I get in the shower. I'm like halfway through showering. I got shampoo in my hair and the lights go off so fast. And I'm like, crap. And it's pitch black. There's like a street lamp across the street that I can kind of see through the window. But like all I can see is like a little sliver of the toilet. So I like I'm so I'm so screwed. <laughs> I'm like, OK, well, how do I do this? Like, I'm just going to shower in the dark, I guess. And then just like try and make it out. And so my roommate takes her phone and she turns on her flashlight and slides it under the door. It's like look <laughs> and then walks away.
0: And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> just the perfect timing on that one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, what are the odds? That's so interesting to like learn about. I also really like the mission that you went on, like how you're you're just embraced in the culture. Like you get to experience living with a family. Yeah. And that's really cool to me. Yeah.
1: It was really intimidating. Um, Our team leaders selected each family for each person. So they, it wasn't like random. They kind of like took into account the family and then who they felt would fit best based on their life story. So like my roommate, Leah, and I both came from kind of well-off communities. I'm from Denver, obviously. And then Leah is from Tennessee. And so we were kind of used to big houses and all that stuff. The other two girls on my team, both came from pretty intense home life situations. One of them was adopted when she was 12 years old from an abusive home. And then the other girl came from a divorce and her dad was an alcoholic. So they also lived in just like not great situation. And so I think considering those life stories, they were really intentional with how they placed each person Mm -hmm. so that, I mean, you want to push someone to to learn and grow, but you also don't want to trigger someone because of past traumas or things that they can't really handle, you know?
0: For sure. So I'm going to go back to that first question. Yes. What did you notice about the everyday lifestyle that changed your perspective?
1: It's so slow. And everyone, as soon as we got there, they were like good luck. We're <laughs> like, time moves really slow in Africa. And we're like, yeah, okay. It does. It feels so slow. And I think that's just part of the lifestyle. Like the amount of traffic obviously is crazy because of this crazy drivers. So South African people will sit in traffic for two, three hours on their way to work. And if load shedding happens, the traffic lights go out. So then it's like a whole four-way stop situation. <laughs> it's like, huge intersections and so there's just this expectation of we're just going to have grace for people and there's all the time in the world Mm. which is just such a different outlook on life from america where we're like i don't have enough time and i need to get there right now and do everything right away do 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 yeah yes and i like i need to expect that everyone else will follow that same punctuality But in Africa, it's just like, yeah, people show up whenever they feel like it. (laughs) And like, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And so I think that grace in their culture is something that America could learn a lot from just saying there's, there's value to being motivated and to trying to pursue a lot of things and having a culture built on that. There's a lot of good that comes out of that, but there's also this expectation and people are always going to fail those expectations of punctuality. Like life
0: happens, things happen. Life happens. That really got me thinking, like, how well in America, we're just bad in general about just being, like, and not doing. Yep. You experience that like full on. Like, when you're sitting in traffic, we can't do anything, like, it's out of our control. Yes. And one of the ways that the organization tried to
1: embrace that was we were never told the to plan ahead of time. So every day they'd pick us up and we would never know what we were going to do. And That drove some kids really crazy.
0: (laughs) That in itself is the day by day. Like, this is going to happen today. Yeah. And the idea was, we're not going to tell you the
1: plan because we don't want you to have expectations. And the days where they kind of communicated a plan, I would be more impatient because I would know exactly what was coming next. It was interesting to see that connection of, okay, well, if I know every single thing that's going to happen today, then I'm going to get super impatient. And want things to happen faster, but if I don't know and I just kind of go with whatever happens, then I can be so much more present and so much more joyful in whatever situation I'm in.
0: Yeah, for you, when you started to like realize that, like, how did you kind of just learn to like accept, like, today is going to be whatever happens today? Like, how do I just go with the flow?
1: Yeah. Um, anytime you would ask a question about like, what are we doing, or when are we going to do this? They'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> and it was the most annoying thing ever. Cause you're like, I know, you know, you're just not telling me, <laughs> but it was that some people took longer to break than others. I'm a fairly go with the flow person. And so I was kind of like, you know what? It's fine. Like <laughs> I'm in another country. I don't know anything. It's cool. But one of my other teammates was not super go with the flow and she was used to structure and she was used to knowing when things would happen so she we always made fun of her because she would just ask questions all the time and would never get any answers so it was just hard and she i think it took a couple weeks for her to and even through the end of the trip she would do it sometimes and
0: not catch it it's just it's it's a learning process and and just like accept, yeah accepting that is a huge thing also I don't know, you were talking about how you just had, like, good talks with your host dad because you were, like, curious about these things. And I also feel like times where you can just, like, be and not be scheduled or have anything planned, that is when you can, like, really channel, like, your curiosity. Yeah. And, like, you're like, whoa, I want to learn about this. Or you start to notice more things, like, happening because you're not so focused on what's coming. You're, like, there, present. So that was Africa. That was Kaylee's time in Africa. We're going to get into like like what were your first initial feelings when you came back home? What was strange was there's usually like a debrief period because usually you go
1: into a, a culture like South Africa, you see all these issues and then you come back to America and the so the organization has this saying where They say, don't let your emotions come out sideways. And a lot of times, if we go from one culture that looks very different from America and we come back to America, we can tend to bottle those emotions up and then get really angry. And I saw it happen a couple of times with me and it it always happens, but there are ways to kind of work through that and kind of deal with it as it comes up. Um, I just remember there was one time my little sister... We were having dinner, and my mom had made this huge meal. And African culture, you eat everything that's made; otherwise, it's so disrespectful.
0: They'd always be like,
1: "Do you want more?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." She's like, "Yes, I would love more." (laughs) No, yeah, but our the organization leaders would train us. So whenever we were there at their house on the weekends, they would make an abundance of food just so that we would have to sit there and eat it all. Which your stomach is a lot bigger than you think it is. But that was a whole big learning shift for the girls on my team, especially Mm -hmm. like going into a culture and saying, okay, I am going to have to eat all this food. And it was that reckoning of like, I'm going to gain weight and I might not feel super comfortable about that. And how do I just make peace with that? Because, you know, America is very image conscious, whereas we would go anywhere in South Africa and they'd be like, you're so small, eat, (laughs) (laughs) We're like, what? That's so true, Kaylee. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So even that, I came back home. We had dinner with my sister, and she like ate a little bit and then was like, okay, I'm not hungry. And I like full on kind of freaked out on her and was like, No, you eat all of this. You haven't seen the things that I've seen. And there are so many people that don't have what you have eat. And you know, that wasn't totally fair of me to say because I've seen things and experienced things that she hasn't. And it's not fair for myself to put expectations on her for a culture that she's never experienced. But again, it was that bottling up of emotions of like, I have this frustration and why are people treated this way in a spotter camp? Um, And so like, how do I, how do I be okay with that and have grace for that in a culture where we have abundance? So that was just a hard thing to learn. And I think almost being in quarantine right away kind of helped that. Cause I've heard a lot of kids will come back from these three month, six month immersion trips and they'll just get so angry because they'll be driving around and like going into restaurants and all of that. And like the mall and all of those things were, whereas I just was in my bedroom like all day. And so like in some ways it was a blessing and especially coming from that culture where time is longer and I just have patience. I think quarantine went a lot faster for me than for other people.
0: Yeah, wow. So, right, you went, you were quarantined for how long when you got back? Well, I had
1: to be for 14 days. And then okay, we went on lockdown. So it ended up being about two months, I think, before I started working again, which I was supposed to go work at a summer camp, <laughs> which got canceled. Darn it. But... I think I left for that the second week of June. So I didn't work from the day I got home, which was like March 22nd until June.
0: Right. I'm like all mixed up right now because this was before summer. Yeah. And then after quarantine, like what did that look like? What was your life here like? So after
1: quarantine, I went into training with the summer camp that I was supposed to work at there was a whole group of staff. We went up um, to the property. It's Eagle Lake. Um, But we had a whole team of staff that went up for two weeks and ended up having to come home because we had an outbreak before we ever got campers. So we were just up there for two weeks, just like hanging out. And it was strange because we, we did training that first week. And then that second week, we found out that our dates were being pushed back and we we're like, okay, it's fine. Like counselor camp. Woo. Right. It's fine. Um, and there was one night where we got a variance from polis and we were like, we're in like, this is God telling us that we get to have camp. This is so exciting. The next day we get our first COVID case. Oh, darn! and so it was that reckoning of like, okay, God, we felt like you said something and that you were granting us this time with campers. And then the next day you took it away. And so some of the most powerful like worship experiences that I've ever had was born out of that time, that week of just, we would gather on the lawn outside and I brought my guitar and a couple others did too. And we would just sit and we'd just play songs. And a lot of it was just expressing that, those feelings, and those frustrations at God, which you don't really experience in a traditional like worship
0: church kind of setting. Yeah. Makes it more real for sure. So you got you found out you couldn't do the camp. And then what happened from there?
1: So, very similar situation to Africa. They had a bunch of kids from out of state, and they were basically like, find a flight tomorrow. Cause we had to like get off the property for legal reasons. And so, there were a bunch of girls that I've been living with for the past two weeks that. Couldn't find a flight and didn't have anywhere to go, so my sister and I took home seven girls into our house. My parents were out of town. No, we way. just took seven girls home, and we we're just like hanging out in the house. And my parents come back, and they're like, "Who are these people? What is going on?" <laughs> we're like, "Hey, <laughs> wait, that's iconic." It was fun, but yeah, we kind of just became a house to host people. That's cool. Um, yeah, and so. A couple of the girls I got really close with and I decided we didn't really want to stay home because we had planned on being away the whole summer. So we planned this whole two week long road trip to Arizona that we ended up doing, which was super fun. We like visited some friends that we made at camp and we got to go to the Grand Canyon and um, like Horseshoe Bend and all these really cool national parks and just make some fun memories. So it ended up being
0: a really sweet time even though it wasn't summer camp. Looking back, like what came out of that camp? You guys really like made the best out of that for sure. We, we tried. Yeah. I feel like your whole story, I feel like it's just chaos living, honestly. I mean,
1: and I don't want to diminish the fact that it's hard. Yes. Even if you're someone who finds it a little bit easier to go with the flow, that doesn't mean that you don't get disappointed when things don't happen the way you want them to.
0: I love that you added that. Yeah. It's, it's a day by day learning too. And a day by day struggle of like, yeah, when things, when plans get canceled, it sucks. Like it's not this like great. Now I'm going to like go on a two week road trip. Like that's not the case every time, you know? Right. And it it comes back to that idea of expectations. If I don't know the plan at all,
1: I can't make any expectations good or bad and It would be so great if I could live that way every single day of my life. Frustrating at times, yes, but so much easier, right? But that's not realistic. And I'm going to make expectations Mm -hmm. every day. And they're going to be, like, they're not going to be reached. And so how do I, every day, sit down and be like, all right, how am I going to take this on and kind of cope with it?
0: And going off that, like, for you, what is something that helps you every day when you wake up and realize like maybe you don't get something done that day or how do you recover from that yes i am
1: a personality that's very task driven (laughs) i don't know if you know enneagram stuff but yes what's your type i am an enneagram four wing well i go back between three and five okay so i'm a four so like big time into the fields but lately which is a weird combination during covid I've been really feeling into that three way. And so I'm super into like getting stuff done and it feels really good. Yep. But sometimes I can't and that's okay. And I think allowing that to be part of your experience and just to say, you know, my value is not based solely in how productive I am Mm. or everything that I accomplish. Right. And, you know, people say that pretty generically when, It's like, well, my value is not in whether or not I win an Oscar, you know, but it also applies to the small things of like, my value is not whether or not I make my bed today. I'm going to try, but you know, sometimes that just doesn't happen. And I'm running out the door because I slept in too late and I'm not a failure because I didn't accomplish all those things or I didn't do my routine perfectly. Um, There's always, there's always grace in that, but it is a lot of just having grace for yourself to mm-hmm. mess things up and, you know, say I'm, I'm allowed to not have everything together. Yep. Just cut
0: yourself some slack. Yeah. You don't have to do everything all the time. So catch us up on your life right now. What's going on? Yeah. So I, I'm
1: working. <laughs> I'm working gal. I am working as a lifeguard. I've worked at this swimming pool for the past like four years and i when i got back from that summer camp i was like hey i'm out of a job and they were like okay come work here i was like okay so i just stayed and so i've been working there um and that's like a couple days a week and then i have an internship at a church yes um the church that i what is it called again grown up in centennial covenant that's right Yes. So what do you do for the internship? So I'm, I'm the worship and children's ministry intern. So I am on stage doing worship things, doing behind the scenes worship stuff every week. And then with COVID, we've had a lot of kids who do children's ministry on Zoom. And so every month we put together these big Zoom bags that we deliver to each family's house. And so we're doing that this week, actually. Um, It's a lot of work, but it's fun. And so Besides that, I'll, like, attend children's church and, like, get to hang out with the little elementary schoolers, which is just fun.
0: That is fun. Kids are the best. I love kids. Kids are the best. Oh, man. They make life awesome. So true. So, yes. And you have been rock climbing.
1: I have been, yes.
0: I want to talk about rock climbing because I've always wanted to. So, what? how did you get into this? So, my dad learned how to climb in college
1: because he was going to Point Loma in California. Such a California thing.
0: Oh my gosh. Lauren, my last guest, she goes to Point Loma.
1: Yeah. It's a great school. They have a lot of climbing junkies and my dad just happened (laughs) to be friends with all of them. So he learned how to climb and was super into it. Like our first house that we had, he built a climbing wall in the garage and was just like so into training and all that stuff, which at the time, climbing gyms weren't really a thing. They... I think just in the past like 20 years they've really become common but at that time they weren't and I think the only climbing gym in Colorado was or in Denver at least was this really sketchy place in like off of Broadway so like kids in climbing gyms weren't really a thing and so I grew up like going every once in a while outside but that was really it and so I wasn't super into it until I was a freshman in high school and my school started a climbing team. I started climbing then and like competing, which was super fun, but then ultimately had to choose between that and doing theater. So I chose theater. Okay. Don't regret that choice, but yeah. So then I kind of took a break for a while and then slowly got back into it. I think over the past eight, nine months, I've really started to commit to it. And so I'm going to the gym like every like four or five days a week which is a lot but it's I think it's just such a cool sport because it's so individual Mm -hmm. but it's also one of the only environments where everyone is there to help you and they all want to see you do well whatever that looks like for you you know yeah like yeah I'm not gonna be climbing at the same level as this dude over here who's been climbing for the past six years but At the same time, I want to see him do well and just the same he wants to see me do well at whatever I can do.
0: Yeah, it's like a community. It is. It's cool. Last thing I want to talk about, what are you thinking about for next year? I know I kind of know what you're thinking, but. Well, I am committed to Seattle Pacific, baby. Yes. uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. I'm going into the psych program, planning on double majoring in psychology and social justice and then doing a possible theology minor. It's a lot. I had a meeting with them and I was like, you think I
0: can do this? And they were like, oh
1: yeah, for sure. I was like, okay, Okay, great.
0: (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. I think we'll see. We'll see if I stay. I definitely like the people a lot and I like, it's just so hard with COVID. Like I can't, you can't get a sense for anything. Absolutely. It's hard for me to
1: be like, well, just stick it out. Like it'll get better because I've never been to college. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how things work, but yeah, I think, I think it's very true that college is already difficult, especially having to move from your parents and like that distance is hard enough. And all the self-discovery and identity that happens in college is huge. But then to add, like making it super difficult to find community and do anything that you want is just it's
0: tough so mm-hmm. well thank you Kaylee this was awesome yes so good I'm just so glad like I got to hear more of your story too and just what you've been up to and doing this past year I guess
1: yeah
0: it's super cool so I want to end I ask every guest their favorite song at the moment because I'm a big music person do you have one Oh, I feel blindsided. I wasn't ready. I listen to such a
1: variety of
0: music right now. I feel that.
1: I think I already did, but then quarantine, just, and COVID in general, I just expanded. Oh, me too. And I went into genres I never thought I would. <laughs> yeah, lately I've been really into Hobo Johnson. I
0: haven't heard of him.
1: Okay, so he is sort of a rapper but it's like spoken word i don't know how to explain it wait this is cool but he's got some really fun stuff so i always tell people like peach scone is one of his songs and that's a really fun one another one that i love is called subaru crosstrek both of those are just like fun kind of silly spoken word rap kind of thing
0: wait that's awesome okay everyone go listen to those that's cool. I haven't heard of that. Yes. Well, thanks again, Kaylee, for being here. This was great. Thank you. Everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week.